This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, this is Ruby Lee Young, star of the movie Ghost Dive, and you are listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to episode 77 of THN, where there's hair everywhere, and we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, August 1st. My name is Matt Baum, that's at Matt Baumstein on the Twitter, and when I'm not clearing the dope guns and pornography off my desk before a sweet little DJ gets to the studio, I'm writing about and appraising comics for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter, and when I am not trying to silence my iPhone while my co-host drops screaming F-bombs while yelling about having his genitals reattached over FaceTime while I'm at work. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. That is a true story that happened mere hours ago. Just a little while ago. This week, you'll hear reviews of Hawkeye number one and Think Tank number one. After that, we'll review ten comics faster than the Olympic officials can disqualify us for not trying during the ludicrous speed round. And then, we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss the future of next week's comics. And finally, it's time for another interview as part of our Inside the Comic Studio series, where I will talk to film director Sean Rourke about his upcoming film, Dive. Before we get to all the cleavage shots and bouncing bosoms, let's take a second to wish <laughs> Joey a great big happy birthday. Yeah! Yay! And then we can talk about this week's big news. Happy B-Day, TJ. It's my birthday. <laughs> Veteran comic book creator Carl Kessel needs our help. Kessel and his wife Myrna recently adopted a newborn baby named Isaac, and while the writer, known for his past work on titles like Daredevil and Superboy, reports that Zack is happy and healthy, he was unfortunately born with an addiction to methadone. God, shit like this makes me just want to not stop crying. God. <laughs> After Zack spent the first six weeks of his life in the hospital, the Kessels are left with an intimidating stack of medical bills and are selling off their collection of Silver Age Marvel comics to help ease their burden. It's funny because that healthcare was working just fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. Blastoffcomics.com, uh, which is the same company that helped Mark Wade sell his collection earlier this year, is handling sales for Kessel, and the collection is really impressive. Nearly every key Silver Age Marvel book is represented, with more being added every day. For those of us that don't have a couple of grand burning a hole in our pockets, donations can be made to the family at Kessel's website, madgeniuscomics.com. We'll have a link to that in our notes Absolutely. on the show. So search your hearts and your pockets and check out the Carl Kessel collection at blastoffcomics.com or donate to the Kessel family directly at madgeniuscomics.com. These guys are trying to give this kid a future. Yeah, and, and Carl uh, Kessel is a badass that has given his entire life to comics and made some fantastic stuff in the process. And if there's anybody, especially like trying to do something like this, man, everybody, go throw five bucks at this guy. Seriously, Carl Kessel is an amazing man, and this is an amazing story. And now, more Marvel Now news has trickled out this week. With House of Ideas releasing a single one-word teaser image and a creative team every day. Starting on Monday, the teasers were Invincible Dash, Karen Gillen and Greg Land, Worthy Dash, Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic, Indestructible Slash, Mark Wade and Lanil Francis Yu, Chimichangas, Ampersand, <laughs> Brian Fosane, Jerry Duggan, and Tony Moore. And on Friday, we got four more. Legacy slash Cy Spurrier and Tang Eng Huat. Soldier slash Rick Remender and John Romita Jr. Family slash Matt Fraction and Mark <laughs> Bagley. And 
Extended. Extendar. <laughs> slash Matt Fraction and Mike Alred. All of these teasers point to new books starting November, I'm guessing. It's pretty. Joe <laughs> seems to think it's pretty obvious what the teasers are all alluding to. I'm going to have to go through these and talk about it. I don't, we'll go through them and talk about it. Let's them. start at the beginning. Invincible. Iron Man. Invincible is very clearly... Got to be Iron Man. Man. That's Carrie and Gill and Greg uh, Land Some of Man. these... The, why, the reason why they're obvious is because some of these are already rumor con- confirmation of rumors that were made months ago right kieran gillen and greg land on iron man we reported that worthy uh worthy is thor probably right i think jason aaron and Asad ribbick on yeah thor? for sure that's an interesting choice yes that's a really interesting choice. uh indestructible has been actually confirmed it's the it's hulk that's the hulk yeah that's uh, a great team yeah totally that's and a fantastic mark wade, hulk team mark wade said if you like my daredevil run just wait Man, I hope so because they need to get so back. Excited. To what, they need to get back to what makes the Hulk good. What they're doing right now is not what makes the Hulk good. I haven't wanted to read the Hulk in quite a while. Chimichanga, <laughs> Chimichangas from Brian Posehn. Brian Posehn, uh, this is Deadpool. You think so? I think it's for a uh, given. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Gary Duggan or Jerry, whichever it is, uh, is the writer of Infinite Horizon. Okay. For like, Image, liked that book. And Tony Moore obviously is Tony Moore. If this is a if this is a, a Deadpool, Deadpool book, book by Brian Posehn, that sounds fun. Man. I would like I would read that. Legacy, Size Barrier, Tang and Huat. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people were quick to say that X Men Legacy is continuing. I say X Men Legacy has no place in the Marvel. Now. I don't see it either. Because really, what is the draw of that book? Anymore? I don't know. I'm wondering if this is pointing towards uh, maybe that team of young heroes, like uh, another take on the Young Avengers. They did talk about the book with all the kids. Yeah, remember because in that point one yeah. teaser, it's Marvel Miss America, Rugrats. Marvel Rugrats, <laughs> Miss America Chavez, uh, Wiccan, and Kid Loki. Kid Loki, and maybe that's what this is. Yeah, maybe it's X Men Legacy, which has me. Less I doubt excited. it. I doubt it. I really doubt it. Soldier Rick Remender and John Romita Jr. Obviously, Cap. Captain America. Some some sites are going. Maybe it's Winter Soldier. No, no. I not. like Cap. Ed Brubaker Rick- is staying on Winter Soldier. He confirmed it. Rick Remender on Cap. I like that. John Romita Jr. Eh, we'll see. Family. Gotta be that's Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. I don't know if I love Mark Bagley on a team book. Is extended family FF? That's kind of the implication. You think? But I'm saying it's a curveball because look at the creative team. Mike Alred? Yeah. All right. Follow me on this out on this limb. Oh boy. I'm saying extended is like a wink wink reference to a Mr. Fantastic ongoing series. Eh. By Mike Allred with the, Mike art by Mike Allred that would be totally rad. I don't buy it. I'm going to fight. I'm going to FF. It's kids. probably FF, I but I don't kids. really want FF to continue without John. I, it might be weird. I'm, but I'm excited for all these. These are all great creative teams, all great artists. When John Romita Jr. is firing on all cylinders, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark Bagley, he has not had a lot of success on team books, so we'll have to. I mean, see. people, I think, still love Mark Bagley. I, I just still think love his, Mark Bagley, but. He's team books are not where he excels. It, yeah, exactly. These are all books starting in November. All the teasers had November 2012. Right. Them, so I guess we'll know next month when the new previews comes I out. Suppose. Finally, Marvel Studios revealed that former Time Lord Christopher Eccleston has been cast as Malekith the Accursed. Malekith? Sure. Or Malekith. Let's go with Malekith. Ruler of the Dark Elves <laughs> Let's go of with Malekith the Accursed. <laughs> <laughs> Malekith the Accursed, ruler of the Dark Elves of Svartalheim. Nice job on the Svartalheim. Thank you. In the upcoming Thor, The Dark World, Malekith was a recurring villain in Walt Simonson's epic run on the Mighty Thor in the 1980s. In other Marvel movie news, 
Producer Brian Singer has confirmed that the X-Men First Class sequel will be an adaptation of sorts of the classic 1981 X-Men tale, Days of Future Past. Exactly what that will look like in an X-Men continuity so different from what we're familiar with is anybody's guess, but Singer described the film as being, quote, very ambitious. Yeah, I guess. And I think that's an understatement. I, yeah. Good luck, guys. <laughs> Thor The Dark World is scheduled for November of next year with the first class sequel following in 2014. Matt, I know you were hoping for the Zaniac. Are the Dark Elves and No Future Wolvie going to do it for you? I don't know. I really don't know. I like Malekith. I mean, cool. I guess they're going to build on the, you know, the planets with all the other characters in it. And we're going to see the Dark Elves. I hope they- you mean the Nine Worlds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nine Worlds and all that. You know, I, it's just not the Thor bad guy that I was going to get. I'm I not- thought you totally loved Malekith, the Accursed. He's cool. I, you know, and I trust them and I think it'll be okay. Uh, X-Men First Class doing Days of the Future Past. Woo, we saw what they did with the Dark Phoenix song. That's exactly what I thought when I read that news. Yeah. We got all 15 minutes of the Dark Phoenix saga (laughs) smashed in there, you know. I liked X-Men First Class. I did too. It was fun. And I think that there is a way to do it, and I don't think you need to slavishly follow the original. There's no reason why Wolverine can't be in it, because Wolverine is not a huge part of the original story. And it would be cool if they brought Hugh Jackman in and blew him up. And have him get obliterated (laughs) by a sentinel. I totally want that to happen. That would be cool. Who is Zaniac? The the Zaniac? He was a Thor villain. Battle in the Shadow of the Zaniac. It was like a fill-in issue. I can't remember who wrote it. It was one of Walt Simonson's like fill-in issues. Sure. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to our Facebook page where our Doctor Who fan fiction blog has taken a turn for the homoerotic, where this month's episode features David Tennant asking Matt Smith just how far he thinks he could push his sonic screwdriver up his TARDIS. What is happening? <laughs> We're journalists. Joe, before we move along here... Each week on our Facebook and Twitter, we like to post a question for you guys. And then read your answers on the air. Joe, what are the listeners saying about the question of the week? This week's question was, how do you feel when studios alter iconic stories like Days of Future Past for film? Can they work without certain familiar characters? And we'll lead off with what I think was the most popular answer on Facebook from Aaron Myers, King of Ask a Nerd. A long time ago, I gave up on any hope, need, or expectation that a comic book translated to film would stick to the original story as it was written. The best I hope for is that it retains its spirit of the book, which rests entirely on the scriptwriter and his love and understanding of the source material. That dude should write Hallmark cards. Good lord. That was positive and sweet. And well thought but out. But it does mimic my own thoughts. He's like, right. He's right. But we'll save our own thoughts yeah, for later. Yeah, we save our own thoughts for later. That's how we do it around That's here. right. That's how we keep them listening. There's a follow-up from our pal Brian, who says, It depends on how much the story is altered. I understand updating the story for today's time, but I think I remember the 1990s X-Men cartoon, which I sorely loved, doing a version of Days of Future they Past. Did. They did. And it was sort of confusing. Uh, no, it just didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> they also did uh, They also did the Dark Phoenix saga, they which did was everything. just bizarre. They crushed everything in there, man. Uh, Brian continues, eh, I don't know. Just make the story super exciting and awesome. <laughs> well, well, fair enough. <laughs> all right. That's fair. It's review time on THN, where each week DJ and I pick two of the week's brand new baby comics and check their diapers to see if they're full of crap. Joey, 
What did you pick to review this week? My pick for the week was Hawkeye Number no. 1 from Marvel Comics, written by Matt Fraction, with art by David. <laughs> Colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Here's your solicit. The breakout star of this summer's blockbuster Avengers film and self-made hero Hawkeye fights for justice. With ex-young Avenger Kate Bishop by his side, he's out to prove himself as one of Earth's mightiest heroes. Matt Fraction and David Aja reunite to tell the ongoing tales of the Arrow Avenger. Once again, a solicit that was written by someone that did not read the comic. (laughs) Yes, here's a spoiler alert. Hey Marvel, who are you hiring to do this? (laughs) Here's a spoiler alert for you right off the bat. Kate Bishop is not in this book. No, not even a mention. Now, I know that they did announce that she'd be a supporting character, but they did jump the gun mentioning her in yeah, this Yeah, maybe in issue two. This series, though, is the reunion of the creative team that brought us the amazing Immortal Iron Fist series a few years ago, and it is really great to have them back. Everything you need to know to enjoy this issue is given to you before the end of the second page. Pretty much. And, yeah, the first page is just a splash of Hawkeye jumping out of a window, so... We should read, like, they have an intro for new readers in the very beginning. And oh, yeah. And it's wonderful. Read it up. Just sets it up perfectly. Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, became the greatest sharpshooter known to man. He then joined the Avengers. This is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. <laughs> right on. You know? So, this issue was a great introduction to Hawkeye and his life outside of the Avengers. I have talked to a lot of people that aren't Matt Fraction fans, they say he and and other modern modern writers tend to write all characters with the same snarky dialogue, regardless of whether or not it fits each character's personality. And sometimes, I can see what they're talking about. It doesn't bother me that often. Uh, But in this case, Fraction is right on the money with his characterization of Hawkeye. I think this is a character he was born to write. It's just... His voice is so perfect. He's so much better than when Bendis writes him, because Bendis tends to write Hawkeye like a jackass. Kind of, yeah. I-, I loved how everything in the book came from Clint's thoughts. Even the narration yeah. was just like his stream of consciousness. So we weren't privy to every single thing going on in a scene like readers usually are. For example, Hawkeye is approaching some Russian mobsters and overhearing their conversation and his thought and the caption is yeah, you see the word balloon of him yeah talking. it's like talk 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 and then something Russian maybe and that it says or maybe Spanish <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just it was really effective I can't say enough about how wonderful David Aja's art is in this issue that man is a chameleon he alters his style to suit each new project he really does and this book is gorgeous he uses Thick black lines and heavy shadow here, and coupled with the gorgeous flat color palette by Matt Hollingsworth and Aja's hand-drawn sound effects, he drew every sound effect in the book. Yeah. Uh, The book just, it feels like a gritty slash funny cop drama from the 70s or 80s. Sort of. And it just, it was a ton of fun to read. The entire book is beautifully designed, uh, right from the minimalist logo on the front cover to the title page to the last page. They did a really nice job tying, like, each action, each part of the story into the next part. Yeah. You know, where they would, like, show a panel where he falls asleep on a chair, and then the next panel, his, like, head is in the same position, but he's getting punched. Yeah, he's in a, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of jumping around in time and space uh, as we are seeing the events play out and it's really effective it's a story that is very well told and this is a beautiful book it's really wonderful to look at i was already excited about it and by the time i finished it i was ecstatic i didn't even realize that hawkeye spent exactly six panels in costume in 21 pages yeah 
until I sat down to write this review. Like, he's not in costume at all. He wears, like, a gray suit with a purple tie. Yeah, he's just walking around his neighborhood. And, and if he it hangs was like out that, with his neighbors. And Yeah, if it was like that every issue, be, I would totally be down I'd for be that. I'd be completely fine with it. I think we might have another Daredevil on our hands with this book. I'm giving it a strong buy it. I'm right there with you. I loved this. And it was just the way that Fraction personified Clint Barton. Clint Barton is just a guy. He's like you. He's like me. He's you know he's just a dude trying to do the right thing. He's funny. He makes mistakes. You know he tries to save a dog because it's just a good thing to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like this was a wonderful book. It was beautiful to look at. I'm giving it a huge buy it as well. Very well done, guys. Matt, what did you read this week? This week I read Think Tank number one from Image Top Cow, specifically their Minotaur imprint. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> like, what Minot- are these imprints? Minotaur was created in the like late '90s, early 2000s. I'm right, but he was supposed to be like a crime, and it was a real like, crime thing. Greg Rucka's creator-owned stuff was coming out uh, for it at a time. Yeah, I remember. Like there was a book called Felon that Greg Rucka did. Yeah, but then it went away. Wasn't it supposed so, to be like real crime? I don't even know. Anyway, this one's written by Matt Hawkins with art by Rashawn Ekadal. Sorry if I said that wrong, Rashawn. This is the story of WizKid Caltech grad turned weapons designer David Lauren, who's working for DARPA, a top secret branch of the military that works on experimental weapon tech. And I'd love to tell you what DARPA stands for, but I can't remember. Defense and research something something. Research projects something. Yeah. Yeah. Writer Hawkins. Sciencey stuff. Sciencey stuff. Writer Matt Hawkins was a longtime editor at Image who got to start writing Evangeline back in the day. Yeah. This was the first comic from Hawkins I think I've ever read and I gotta say I was pleasantly surprised. There is not a lot of action here so he really had to write the hell out of the story. A lot of dialogue and a lot of setup here but none of it ever gets tedious. He's his characterization is such that he can write each character with a really original human voice that works very well. The the military jerks sound like military jerks. The engineers sound like science guys. David Lauren, our main character, is sort of a slacker genius, and I buy it. He sounds like a guy who would rather lay around and play video games than put together this telepathy machine they've got him working on. The book opens with a very well-written and sequenced drone attack on a vehicle that looks to be carrying our main character, and it was a nice hook to pull you into the book. They really don't explain yet. You see... Lauren sowing the seeds here. He went to Caltech with his roommate, who both work for DARPA now. He doesn't know that they have the roommate there secretly to help sort of control Lauren because he's such a brilliant inventor. They yeah, just, he just like needs a babysitter. They just can't get him to finish his jobs, basically. He's on his last legs with the military, and they're about to kick him out, and his roommate who is not as brilliant, doesn't have a chance for another job and is desperately trying to keep him in the program. But again, the military dialogue was really solid and believable. The even more difficult-to-write science and tech dialogue, which never comes out naturally, was perfectly executed here. I believed that these guys were Caltech engineer nerds. Lauren is a fully fleshed and interesting character with believable motives and faults, and we get a really good sense of who he is and his history. There's nothing real flashy going on here, but there's really solid black and white art by Ekadal in this book. You know, I thought... It's a little weird in parts. It is. It took me a little getting used to, but once I figured out what he was doing, I really liked it. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of depth to what he does. He has a lot of really good tech work that I don't know would necessarily work in color. 
the gray shading that he does on his human characters and stuff, I think it works really well in black and white. I don't know that it would work as well if it was computer colored. Yeah. But there were some panels that looked a little flat to me. And a felt, lot of the shading was done with extra lines, not yeah. not like coloring it in no, with it, gray Which tones. is like a manga technique, a yeah. very manga and, technique. And not cross-hatching. No. But it's it's just, yeah, it's very detailed, almost like a woodcut. Right, to give yeah. it depth. And he there's so much depth in this book. He did a fantastic job designing the bunker that they were in, all the little laboratories that they went in, the differences between like the military offices and Lauren's like apartment. He did an excellent job designing this world and putting this story together in black and white. You never missed the color. And you know what? It's a tough feat for an artist, especially in black and white, to draw distinctive characters that uh, look enough apart. Right. That they're Absolutely. distinguishable. Like, there were other books that I read this week where, I, well, I'll talk about it later, but I read a book this week, I could barely tell some of the characters apart. Yeah. This had no color cues. And no costumes. These and are- no costumes. And uh, he did a great job. And Everybody he- had a distinct look. Yeah. A distinct, you know, silhouette. It was, yeah, well done. And he kept a book that was full of dialogue and talking heads moving at a really nice pace. I never got bored. Yeah, I wasn't bored either. I gotta say, and I've said this many times, you cannot hide when you're working in black and white. And Ekadal, I hope I'm saying that right, he does not need to. He was really solid here. Huge props to Top Cow for publishing this in black and white. I think this is their first black and white book. I I tweeted at them. Couldn't they tell didn't you. friggin' answer, but I think this is it. Giving it a huge buy it. I really enjoyed this. I am on board for this series. I liked it too. I'll give it a buy it as well. I'll read the next one. Of course, we'd like to hear what you slacker geniuses and slacker marksmen thought of these comics. So hit us up on our Facebook and let us know. Now it's time once again for Matt and I to enter the freshly materialized THN TARDIS. Your THN TARDIS. <laughs> which looks like a blue post office mailbox since we don't have police boxes in America. Which makes for a hilarious scene as I stuff Matt into the mail slot and slide in behind him. That sounds gay. Yeah. Then we'll rocket in between dimensions through wormholes in space. That does too. <laughs> at near light speeds, all the while reviewing 10 of this week's comics on our journey to our next adventure during the ludicrous speed round. I'm going to rocket through your wormhole in a minute here. <laughs> ludicrous speed! Go! The first X-Men, number one, Marvel. <laughs> What a dumb name. Can somebody please tell me why this book exists? Shoehorning an unnecessary flashback story into an already impossible to decipher X-Men history. Atrocious art by Neil Adams. No thanks. Leave it. Yeah, because Wolverine started the X-Men, forgot he started the X-Men, and then joined the X-Men. Yeah, exactly. It's like, who's this bald guy I've never met before? Planet of the Apes Annual Number 1, Boom Studios. Series writer Daryl Gregory and artist Gabriel Hardman are joined by Jeff Parker, and even Hardman writes one of the four short stories in this annual. Planet of the Apes has been an amazing series, and this is another example of how good this series really is. Great art, great storytelling. Buy this. Go and pick up the first trade. Planet of the Apes is so damn good. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, number 156.1 Marvel. <laughs> it's true. God, I hate this, the point ones. I hate them. This is a standalone issue, and it's one of the many one-shots that are resurrecting 
canceled Spidey books in honor of his 50th anniversary. So not only is it a point one, but it's a point one for a series that hasn't been published in years. I would call it pointless. Yes. hey There is nothing at all essential about this story, but I like Roger Stern, and I'm glad to see him back for this. I think his writing has aged better than some of his contemporaries. I agree. There's decent but kind of stiff art by Roberto Della Torre. If it's a light week for you and you're a Spidey fan, then skin it. Yeah. Animal Man number 12, DC. This is the prelude to Rot World, a team up with Swamp Thing, and it really was a chance for readers to catch their breath before the big crossover starts. Lemire is still writing the hell out of this comic. Very believable interactions between Buddy and his family, and it feels like a story that started a year ago is coming to its natural climax. Finally. <laughs> Fight. Beast of Burden, Neighborhood Watch, One Shot, Dark Horse. This issue reprints three short stories that were originally published in Dark Horse Presents, which means they were new to me because I don't read that book. Yay! Yay. Uh, these are wonderful, heart-wrenching, funny stories from Evan Dorkin that are beautifully painted by Jill Thompson. If you haven't already read them, this is a definite buy it. Yeah. Swamp Thing number 12. DC, I'm sending a theme here. This is the second part of the prelude to Rot World. It sees Animal Man and Swamp Thing descending into the depths of the Rot World. Marco Rudy has the impossible job of filling in for Yannick Paquette. Which he has done before. I know, but the shoes are just too big for him here. It did not work. Still, it was a well-written issue, and finally, it feels like the story is picking up momentum, but it took us quite a damn while to get here. I can only give this a skim it. Dang. I know. Animal Man's a fight? Yeah. It, it, Animal Man had more family-connective moments that I enjoyed more. I mm-hmm. guess. All right. Infected, number one, from IDW. This was an odd read. It, it felt like they actually cut swaths of prose from the book yeah. by Scott Sigler that this is based on, and just plugged it in as narration. It was really weird and off to see that in a comic. That said, it wasn't bad. Uh, the art by Chad Minshew is a little hit and miss. This is the book I was talking about where characters look the same. But when it hits, it's pretty great. All in all, though, I found this to be a mostly compelling story, punctuated by moments of extreme ridiculousness. For example, a dude that's one of the infected cuts his own legs off and lights itself, himself on fire while the cops just watch. Huh. And then they react. Huh, really? Take that cross. Skim it. <laughs> Harvest number one from Image. Cowboy Ninja Viking writer AJ Lieberman gets really dark here, writing a story about black market organ harvesting and transplants. The story follows a disgraced drug addict and drunk doctor into this world, and it looks like it's going to make Breaking Bad look like a romantic comedy. Really nice art by Colin Lorimer, who's obviously studied his gore. There were some pages that were hard to look at. I really enjoyed this. Excellent dialogue by Lieberman. Buy it. It is very dark. That little little kid. Creepy. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, number one from Marvel. This is another book with no clear purpose. As far as I can tell, its only function is to give a thrill to weirdos that get off on gratuitous violence. And separate Deadpool fans from their money. Yeah. And I'm really supposed to believe that Deadpool can take down the entire Fantastic Four? Yeah, man. Hey, the Punisher did it. And the Watcher. The Punisher did it. Ugh. Marvel and Cullen Bunn should be better than this. I'm giving this a leave it. Black Kiss 2, number one from Image. Uh, If you're into hentai, full frontal male nudity, and dudes getting raped by demons, all with a historical backdrop, have I got the comic book for you. (laughs) This is far and away the most explicit comic Image has ever printed, and I'll give them points for that. It's ballsy. I just have no idea what writer and artist Howard Chaikin was going for here, other than just plain old rage against sexual imagery in movies, human lust, and an excuse to draw a bunch of dudes junk. This is a continuation of a story that he started 25 years ago, and I don't know why. Leave it. Thwack! 
That is your Ludicrous Speed Round, and thwack is the sound it makes when a chicken-stealing goblin smacks Rex the Doberman Pinscher in the face with a tree branch, as seen in this week's Beasts of Burden one-shot. Two hours ago, Matt and I each took three Miraclo pills, even though our man told us that any more than one could result in an erection that lasts more than four hours. That's bad. <laughs> now we find ourselves laying on our backs in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. Don't roll over, dude. In throbbing pain that has somehow opened our psychic abilities to the secrets of next week's comics. And given us boners. Matt, fight through the pain and tell these kids what you'll be reading next week. Next week. Can we say boner on the podcast? Sure, they said boner on family ties all the time. Growing pains. They said boner on growing pains all the time. I mean, come on. That's not funny. He's dead. Boner's dead? He committed suicide in Canada. Boner committed suicide in Canada? Yes. We are way off topic. Next week, I'm excited for Archer and Armstrong, number one from Valiant. Although I can't tell you why. Who's the creative team? Fred Van Lente and Clayton Henry. Clayton Henry... Uh, he did some Exile stuff. He did X-Men stuff. He's good. Clayton Henry. I think he did some Incredible Hercules. That's where I most recently came I think. I think. This is writer Fred Van Lenty and artist Clayton Henry's take on yet another relaunched Valiant title that I don't believe resembles the old book. Now, I never read Archer and Armstrong. I honestly couldn't tell But you. this is all about 18-year-old Obadiah Archer has been dispatched to New York City to kill Armstrong because he was raised by some group of conspiratorial some monks kind of cult. that believe that Armstrong's going to bring about the end of the world. Turns out they got to team up and fight an even badder dude, you know. So, yeah, hey, classic team up fun. It's like a buddy cop. I love Van Lenty. I love Henry. I think it's going to be a great time. Valiant has been all winners so far. Joe Patrick, what are you excited for? I'm excited for Fantastic Four number 609 by Jonathan Hickman and new artist Ryan Stegman. Love Ryan Stegman. I love it. Obviously from Marvel Comics, this is Stegman's first issue on the book just in time for it to be canceled and relaunched as part of the Marvel (laughs) Now initiative. (laughs) Of course we want to know what you nerds are reading next week. And of course if you have an erection that lasts more than four hours, call your doctor. Call more ladies. (laughs) Now it's time once again for us to go inside the comic studio where we sit down with a professional to get some insight on the creative process and let you nerds hear a different, less insulting, or cartoon animal sounding voice for a change. You're the cartoon animal. Oh, thanks. Yeah. This week, Matt sat down and talked to Sean Rourke, who is running a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for a film starring... The nation's most famous girls of cosplay. I wrote California. You went straight with the nation. That's right. Let's hear what Sean had to say. Sean, thanks for joining us on THN. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Could you tell us a little bit about Ghost Dive, your project that uh, you're currently running a Kickstarter for? Well, I would be happy to. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Ghost Dive is uh, basically a movie that we are uh, trying to produce. and We started a Kickstarter for it uh, last week. And Ghost Dive is uh, it's essentially was born out of the idea that, uh, you know, I, I regularly go to Comic-Con every year, and I'm always impressed with the cosplay 
that I see on the convention floor and just the amount of detail and effort that people go into making their costumes. And, like, what's really impressive is the fact that so many of these cosplayers, like, get into character when they're on the convention floor. Like, sure. giving the fans, like, that much more when, you know, and they get stopped, like, every five feet to have pictures taken of them. Like, it literally takes them an entire day to get across the convention floor. And I just, at one point, I was just sort of having this nerd fantasy of, like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to, like, get a bunch of, like, the really good cosplayers together on screen, like, in a movie, and have them, you know, be in kind of, like, anime situations where they're dodging bullets and, you know, blowing stuff up and getting into sword fights, and, like, maybe they would, like, all be friends. And then I was like, wait a <laughs> second, maybe we could do something like that. Now, let me, so, let me stop you there real quick. Are you a married man? Sure. Uh, I am. Okay, yes, so this is not just an attempt to get laid, is where we're going here. No, That's... no, no, this is not, no, ab- yeah, ab- absolutely not. Because no, I looked at the comes... girls and I was like, yeah, you can come try out for my movie. That'd be great, sure, you know. <laughs> of course, we just need to get some measurements first, but hey, you know, I mean. So, okay, the, yeah, the no, idea honestly... of cosplayers, though, were you wor- I gotta ask, were you worried that maybe they wouldn't be able to act? That is a very, very good question. Um, as it happens... They, by and large, can, and and that's what's so cool is like they are already in a space where they're role playing, right? As you know, as Kitty Pride, as Psylocke, as uh, you know, Scarlet Witch, sure, as Blood Rain, you know, and so they're used to getting into character anyway, and of course they you know completely devour comic books and video games and, and anime and all of the source material. See, women like this only so, exist on the West Coast. We don't have anything like this in the Midwest. The cosplayers <laughs> here—it's generally dudes wearing these costumes. Tell you the truth, you know, we call oh, them drag well, shows. Actually, in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> that has its own appeal. Sure. The really cool thing is is that, like, our cast, uh, there are a lot of people, uh, a good portion of the cast are in Los Angeles, San Diego, but we've also got Jenny McQueen, who is uh, living in Las Vegas. Uh, we've got uh, Riddle, who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, <clears throat> we have uh, Ruby Rocket, who actually just did move out to L.A., but lived in Texas prior to that. I'm going to guess Ruby uh, Rocket Florida is not her, her Christian name. I'm going to guess she's not. Uh, no. <laughs> just just I, guessing I here. <laughs> <laughs> no, her real name is Ruby Lee Young, and that's uh, uh, Ruby Rocket is just her cosplayer. See, Ruby Lee Young, stuff. that's tough too, man. She sounds like she could be like, you know, a blues rocker or like, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and she's, she's definitely, she's got the personality. I mean, she's a total, total firecracker, a natural redhead. Totally sarcastic, very funny. I'm looking at her right uh, now. She's gorgeous. Good. Jesus. <laughs> now let me and ask she's you. A girl. The whole uh, the whole idea here, Ghost Dive, is you've you've got a group of hackers, right? It's sort of Charlie's Angels yeah. on an overdrive, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Where'd yeah, the idea come from for the script? Well, the uh, you know I I used to play a lot of cyberpunk. Uh, back in my back in my role playing days, okay, and uh, I've just always kind of had um, you know just an, an affinity for that sort of near future you know kind of hacker story you know sort of underground gunman kind of uh, you know but using some high tech toys uh, you know sort of dark future environment, and it also happens to be uh, one of the easiest or what I should say is one of the most low-cost, but highest-yield production value settings you can set a movie in. Sure. Because you, I mean, you can get away with, you know, for 
you know, bang for your buck, your visual effects can go into sure, instead of having to do spaceships and right. big, you know, you're in a bunker, you're in an office building, things. you know, like exactly, <laughs> you know, sure. exactly, exactly. So it just it, it allows for you to do sci-fi without having to, you know, absolutely break the bank on it. So that kind of informed what the what the setting was going to be, and then as far as the story. It was literally like, okay, if I can get, you know, like seven or eight of these totally awesome cosplayers together into a movie, what's going to be a story that really allows them to, you know, get super anime on us? And so the so that became, okay, well, they're all one big team. They're all one big team of hackers. One of them gets captured by a corporation that they've all been robbing. And then the remaining group has to get together to try and rescue the one girl who got captured, and they've only got, like, a 45-minute window to do it in. Oh, yeah, this is right so, out of an Aspen book. I mean, absolutely. It's right. It's, <laughs> it's like, it reminds me of a lot of bad girl books that I recall in the 90s and stuff. I mean, you could see it. Yeah, you've got well, a, on your Kickstarter, you've got a, a really nice trailer. It looks like you spent some money on already. It looks pretty solid. And it no, is. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Like the poses, the fight scenes, the cleavage shots and stuff. I mean, it is just full on, you know, like bad girl comic. But what kind of comics did you right. grow up reading, can I ask? In in like grade school and uh, and junior high, it was a lot of X-Men. Like I read, totally loved the X-Men. Um, you know, also read a lot of ElfQuest, uh, which is... ElfQuest nerd. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, not a lot of people admit to that. That's impressive, sir. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was was one of my main books. And then, you know, with the whole, I fell out of comics for a little while, and then with the whole image revolution, that was right about the time that I was hitting college. And so I loved the hell out of Wildcats and Cyforce. Yeah, you're just a couple of years older than I am then. I was right there with you. You know, that, that whole aesthetic that those guys got, uh, and and the fact that you know it was sort of like all this kind of future cyber technology, but taking place in today's world, sure. but also in sort of a corporate environment, just really was extremely accessible to me for some reason at the time. You know, just just obviously in recent years, you know, sporadically, I, I absolutely the Ultimates. Um, you know, Danger Girl was a huge thing. I, I still pick up my Danger Girl graphic novel. Oh, you can all the see time. that. You can see that definitely. <laughs> it's there. Tell me about you, Absolutely. Sean. Did you go to film school? I mean, what, what is your, what's your background? I did actually. I'm I'm an Omaha native, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I grew up in the Midwest, and then went to film school in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then after that, moved out to Los Angeles because I think that's what you do. I've heard that uh, works. If you go to yeah. film school. Kevin Smith will tell you that's and, bull- it, but look at him now, you know. To some degree, he's certainly right. But uh, but yeah, so I moved out to L.A. and I got into the visual effects world. And I I worked during my day job as a, a visual effects editor on feature films like uh, like we just got done with The Hunger Games. Uh, oh wow! Green Lantern before that. Uh, right now we're working on uh, Oz the Great and Powerful, which is Sam Raimi's prequel to The Wizard of Oz. Right. So that's my day job. I'm very lucky to be able to do that because it's it's a really fun way to make a living, and I get to watch movies all day. Everybody out here has moved out here for this very reason, and so there's just this really great, you know, sort of camaraderie of yeah, let's get together on the weekend and shoot something. And sure. The the tra- the trailer that we have up online was all done with people who are friends of mine, you know, crewing. Uh, you know, we're in a world now where you can shoot 
something that looks really good without having to have an entire crew of like 12 people there. Yeah, and your you know, effects and, uh, are and, and, real solid, I gotta say. Like, real solid. Well, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's that's also the world that we're living in now, is where, you know, people can learn to do this kind of thing just on their home computers. That whole trailer that we shot uh, was, I mean, we did spend some money on it, but we didn't spend a lot of money on it. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of favors and a lot of goodwill all kind of wrapped up in there. Sure. But, uh, you know, but, but for the price that we did it, uh, you know, in order to be able to do that at, at a feature length, which is what we want to do with Ghost Dime, it's going to cost us around $60,000 to do. And that's extremely cheap when it comes to, you know, making an independent movie, but it's also about as cheap as we can do it and, you know, still make it worth the while of the people who are involved. Right. You know Extremely I mean? cheap, but that's still buying a low-end Porsche. You know, I mean, that's... Uh... That is very true. <laughs> that's very true, yes. And that's where right. Kickstarter comes in, right? You guys, I've, I've, I've visited the site today and I was just watching the trailer a little bit ago. You guys are, you got about like, 20 days to go, right? That's right. Okay. That's As right. of, I should say we're recording this on Monday and you have 20 days to go. So when this comes out, it'll be less than that. But uh, anybody who wants to can go to your Kickstarter and can, of course, donate. And what kind of stuff do they get for that? Well, uh, we're, we're trying to do something kind of fun with the Kickstarter where when you donate, even if it's at the lowest level, which is $10, or the highest level, which is $1,000 or up, um, you get to choose one of the main characters. And, you know, you can pick from any one of them that you want. And basically, you adopt that character. I'll adopt the and redhead. No matter... I'm just calling her right now. She's mine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's and cool. I'll take very good uh, care of her, I swear. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. Ruby will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> that's good. No matter what sort of reward tier that you come in at, your reward is sort of geared towards that character that you adopted. So, like, for $10, you get uh, not only an adoption certificate for your character, uh, but you also get your name appearing in the movie, not like buried in the credits, but actually in the body of the movie next to, it'll come up on screen next to the character that you have adopted. So you'll appear as like part of her support staff. Oh, that's fun. Uh, that's fun. So it, it's a way to immortalize yourself with your favorite character or cosplayer. Um, we've also got, uh, you know, uh, the, the next stage up from that is $25, which gets you a copy of the movie. And then uh, stuff that goes up from there, we've got entire, like, photo spreads of uh, your chosen character in all kinds of different outfits, including the swimwear photos that we've done, uh, you know, all the way up to being able to be in the movie as your own character and also helping your chosen, your chosen hacker get through a problem like basically you're you're in a monitor insert on their computer during a critical time helping them get through a major obstacle oh that's fun continue on with the plot of the movie see no i would rather so, have one of them step on my throat and kill me you know that would be a little more my speed <laughs> you know? like maybe ruby well, could think, gut me like a fish or something that you know i, I could get into that and be like that's me that check it really out awesome, yeah actually. i'm bleeding isn't that great <laughs> Look how natural that That's looks. That's not a bad idea. When they think about adding there in you an go. extra There you go. Here, Pay there. to get killed, you know, by the busty hacker of your choice. Man, you can make some That's money right. there. Well, hey, That's Sean. That's not a bad way to go out. I sure appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we will we'll put all the details for your Kickstarter up on our site, and uh, 
thanks a lot for visiting THN, man. It Absolutely. sounds pretty cool. We wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you. Thank you. And and if I may say so, I wish you and Joe the best of luck as well. I we mean, need I, it. I'm not going to let you. Our marriage is on the rocks. <laughs> it's, the honeymoon is over, no. and now it's just hard work, you know? You wake up next to the same dude every day, and after a while, it's just, oh, God. That's right. You just you have to remember where that magic was. In exactly. The game, exactly. A lot of role-playing. I'm not going to lie. Yes. <laughs> well, you guys are doing a fantastic job. You're you're rendering a very valuable service, and the fact that you guys are doing this from Omaha, Nebraska, just oh, absolutely warms my heart in a million ways. So, so thank you so much for all that you guys do and for being so consistent with it, and uh, it's really a great podcast. Listen to this guy. You realize I can't put this on the air, right? It's going to sound like we paid you to say this. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else is like, why do you keep cussing? I have to explain to my kids what that means. Sean sounds like a pretty nice dude. He's a super nice guy. Yeah, and knew what he was talking about, too. If you're interested in supporting Ghost Dive, we will put a link to the Kickstarter page in, our in show the notes. show notes for this episode on TwoHeadedNerd.com. Where you can also find the extremely chesty trailer. We're not going to post the trailer. In the no, show. no, no. I'm just saying they go to the Kickstarter. It's there. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Ki- it's on the Kickstarter page. It yeah. is extremely chesty. Yeah. I mean, it's safe for work, but hey. Yeah. And, of course, we want to know who you want to hear in the hot seat in the comic studio. So drop us a line and let us know who we should interview next. The sky's the limit. There you go. Yeah. Our Mobius. Un- our unlimited budget will take care of everything. <laughs> Before we call it a day... Why don't you read us a couple more answers to the question of the week? Zach Hallwell writes in, As much as I love giant space squid, Watchmen work just fine without it. That said, I think you have to be overly careful. Of course, some things don't translate well to the big screen, but nerd rage can do in a film before it's even released. This is true. True. I believe first-time contributor Brian J. Frozen. sorry Brian, writes absolutely while there are many similarities film is still a very different medium if the changes or omissions make the story work in the encapsulated time frame they'll have my blessings i love a lot of the iconic storylines but seeing things translated scene for scene can be boring i want them to take advantage of film to make some parts work better and minimize the parts that won't translate as well overwhelmingly positive totally agree though i totally agree nobody like wrote in and said no slavish devotion to the source material i want to see panel for panel (laughs) and all of that basically echoes how i feel as well if we're gonna talk about how we feel in just a minute here okay then that is it for dj's birthday celebration episode if you like bikini girls with machine guns like we like bikini girls with machine guns you can subscribe to the show on itunes where your star ratings and short reviews could help us get on to the itunes top 10 Huge thanks to all of our donors, and if you'd like to help keep us in memory sticks to jam in our USB drives. Yeah. Man. Yeah. What is with the imagery in this episode? You can make your donation in any amount, and why wouldn't you want to? <laughs> By clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can send us your love slash hate mail or your comic that you would like us to review. And keep the THN mascot art coming for the official THN mascot contest next week. Be sure to send us your questions or comic trivia because one of you will get answered on the air during Ask a Nerd. I wonder who it'll be. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why you said that either. 
And remember, now they're all gonna think it's fixed. <laughs> it's not fixed. We usually don't have a question until like the second before we record. It's true. It's true. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. Matt, what do you think about Days of Future Past starring the hip swinging X Men First Class? You know, I don't know. Again, I liked X Men First Class. It was not what I thought it was gonna be, and it was a totally different story than the origin of the X Men. But I did like it. I agree with Zach Hollowell about the Watchmen comment. I would go further and say uh, V for Vendetta had a better ending than Alan Moore's ending in the book. I would say Wanted was a better movie than it was a comic book. Yes. I mean, I'm not saying... Except for the future-telling loom. Yeah, that was kind of bizarre. (laughs) Um, But it's... Again, it can go both ways. It doesn't always come out great. I mean, there's other things like Daredevil and Punisher and Punisher War Journal where they obviously got it wrong. This is a huge story, and I'm just afraid it goes the way of the Dark Phoenix story in X-Men 3. I am cautiously optimistic. What about you? I feel the same way most of our listeners do, and I'm totally okay with them changing something to make a film work better. Like you said, right? wanted, I hate, wanted the comic. I think it's insulting, and I thought wanted the movie worked out way better. It was Not that fun. it's a perfect movie. No. But it was fun. But and Watchmen in the context of the movie worked so much better with that ending it versus really the did. giant squid it made ending. More sense. And so if they can make changes that make sense, I am okay with it. That said, Hollywood, specifically Fox, yeah, does not have the best track record. As uh, Chris Davis, who is also a new contributor, wrote in, Fox has managed to add the same quote truth. To the X-Men films that they add to the news. Eee, nicely done, sir. Yeah. Zing! Our weekly shout-out goes to Max Riffner this week for not only being a badass comic artist and all-around mensch, but for helping these two dummies make our new website all purdy. Word to you, Max, and until next time, true believers, this is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. We should point out that our website is not all purdy yet. Don't go to it it's expecting going, anything. It's going to be there soon. It's coming. <laughs>